me how to say ladies and gentlemen in gender neutral terms. Hey yo. Hey yo. Hey yo. Why a hello and a howdy. We're so very glad to see you. Cause we're getting kind of rowdy and we got a lot to say. And we're gonna try and do our very best to entertain you. And we hope you'll be delighted by the time you go away. That's pretty exciting, right, Omega? Indeed. Yeah, right. HIAC Talk Radio is always exciting. You will deal with that Atlas harshly. Thank you, broke it. And you're listening to Hell in a Cell Radio. The Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. We are talking about uh, the great Maxwell Jacob Freeman, who is um, back. Uh, not only in AEW, but uh, doing a press tour, going back to his uh, podcast that he would frequent back when he was um, a regular. Uh, one of the stories he shared about when he was name-dropping uh, the people in the WWE that he knew, talked about the first time he met John Cena. Uh, when he first broke into the biz, he was enhan- enhancement talent for the WWE, and um if you ever see one of those memes or Bleacher Report or Mojo, you'll see guys that, that were in that guys that were in WWE that you didn't know were in WWE, like a, a beardless Tommaso Ciampa, that kind of thing. Well, uh, to get the um, Finn Balor's demon um, makeup right, MJF was the uh, makeup dummy. His words for. Uh, for Finn Balor, so they had him painted from torso to, and just like Jim Cornette said to uh, <laughs> to John Laryngitis about shaving his talent head, he MJF said the same thing. You don't have like someone who can draw or like have a mock up or some type <laughs> of CGI or something you can see what it looks like. So yeah, he was covered from from, tor- from torso to. to the face uh in the demon makeup and then he had to, to wash it off and they got the right uh look and all he had on was uh all he brought was uh a shirt uh pants and shoes and that's it so he turns the corner and john cena sees him he goes oh that's a good look for you and <laughs> jeff says thanks so that's that's the only time they ever met uh that's that's a hey that's a good meeting uh welcome to hic talk radio i'm dan calatico over here is uh we we figured out the background so we're no longer sharing the bathroom the backgrounds no longer sharing a bathroom no 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 we're no longer sharing a bathroom we're all talking together um but welcome to another hic talk radio not a long one this week we have well i say that and every time i say it <laughs> you know that's when we every, go yeah, that's when we go along. Uh, I wanted to give a shout out to Badash, one of my best uh, stream friends and slash supporters, yes. who said, didn't we just do this podcast? Has it already been a week? Has yeah. Craig looked at Dan's crotch yet? Dan, have you lick, uh, licked Dan's, uh, Craig's ear? Craig, your bathroom is cool and alarming at the same time. I couldn't poop with Batman staring at me. I don't know. I, if Batman's staring at me, I might shit myself. Yeah. Yeah, it's self-explanatory. Well, thank you for all of that information, Badash, and welcome back. She, does, she is full of a lot of information, as old Badash. she is. Yes. I wouldn't change a thing for the world. Mm-hmm. Badash is a, the, in all honesty, real quick, Badash 
is a Ashton is a unique creature. You know, people say they're unique and they're yeah. not really that unique. And mm-hmm. Bad Ash is an insanely unique creature. Yes, she uh, is. An extremely loyal and passionate mm-hmm. person uh, and very funny and very unique. You think, what, you, 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 you say no. unique? Yeah. I say unique, very unique. Did I say unique? Yeah, I, I don't remember. So. Uh, I, I've only had the pleasure of conversing with her um, in through a, a Twitter and direct message. Uh, I know how incredibly loyal she is. We both we bonded over our love for uh, for Batman. Uh, she's always been a good friend to you, and I know her through you. And like I've said to you many, many times, Dan, you have the greatest friends because I've made so many great friends through you, and you're a conduit for good people. Uh, and I said this about all of your friends that I've met and have come to known as uh, love them, even the ones I haven't slept with. Uh, I think they're they're awesome. So uh, bad ashes, uh, another one that hey, you um, know what? The, very the lucky year, to know. The, the world is young. You never know. <laughs> That's very funny. Thank That's you. very funny. Yeah. Yeah. She's over at my house for a whole week. The one you slept with. I know, and I yeah, didn't yeah. get one uh, phone call, message, text, or anything like that. But I'm just glad she's she's at, she's, she's she's doing, doing real well. She's good. doing well. She hates Texas, as most people who uh, are not born in Texas and yes. don't have a humongous humongous big it's ego uh, feel big. about Texas. Holy shit! I gotta get out. Yeah. So there is that. I get you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I get you. Uh, so yeah. Uh, hey, the Phillies scored two runs, so it's only seven. All right. Okay. Yeah, we totally dig out of that hole. You fucking asshole. Um, listen, I'm gonna keep my jersey hanging until the Sixers season start and swap that. What about the Flyers jerseys? No, yeah. I don't think I'm gonna do that. I'm right now. I'm repping the uh, number one team in the NFC now, the undefeated um, local sports team, the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Winners of a big game last night on Under the Lights in prime time Monday Night Football. That's exciting! All the stars were out. Uh, Bradley Cooper, of course, you know. Uh, Mike Trout sitting next to Bryce Harper. Um, James Harden who got a game ball, and uh, the star of the uh, number one comedy on ABC Emmy Award winner Quinta Brunson, Philadelphia, born and raised. She was there last night. So a uh, star-studded affair. And uh, and you were there. Wait, you weren't there. I was not there. You were not there. You're just tired because you're watching the game. Yes, because I was up last gotcha. night. And and like any prime, after any primetime game and after any, any primetime win, I had to stay up and watch all the post-game stuff, specifically to hear how other non-local media's um, commentators tell us how, how great we are. And uh, and it was really was a... a, a great game and it was great for Jalen Hurts um, number one because he had a lot of questions coming in but played in an incredible I game. I mean anybody who saw the last part of that last season and the first two games this year mm-hmm. what else do you want the guy to do? Yeah I I, I never understood it Dan I mean, get, get off on a little, little bit of yeah go off on a tangent we, we started the tangent <laughs> After the show started, that doesn't usually happen. Do your thing, my friend. <laughs> no, with, with Jalen Hurts, because um, here's a guy. I Now, I remember, I'm going to go back a ways, when um, 
we got a young Carson Wentz out of North Dakota State. He was a second pick overall in the draft. His first year as a starter, he had a losing record. We didn't go to the playoffs. He started every game. We didn't. We had a losing record. We didn't go to the playoffs. But the very but that offseason, there was no question he was our starting quarterback year two. No question. Carson, he's our guy. We cut to Jalen Hurts two years ago. This is a kid who was a high school All-American, won two national championships at Alabama, then went to Oklahoma and put up Heisman-like numbers. And he's a second-round pick. His first year as a starter, he has a winning record and takes the team to the playoffs. Yet all offseason is like, well, I don't know if Jalen Hurts is the guy. Can we go with Jalen Hurts? Should we trade for Why don't we get Deshaun Watson? He's reliable and a good character. Why don't we spend all of our money and all of our draft picks on Russell Wilson? And like, why? What did you see what the guy did for not one, but two? top five college programs and outperformed in both instances, national championship, Heisman-like numbers. He's performed on the biggest stage, so pressure isn't going to get to him. He's gotten better every year he's been a quarterback. This is the first year he's had the same head coach two years in a row. They got him weapons. He was good with just one who was a rookie, so I don't understand where all the questions come from because all the guy has done since he's been in the league is produce. Uh, he, he wants to, he doesn't have a great arm. What quarterback does have a great arm? You, you count on one hand. Okay. And if he can get you first downs with his legs and find the, the, the open guy, again, I'm looking at productivity. He always done since he's been a quarterback is produce. And like what you just said, Dan, the last, we started off two and five last year and we went to the playoffs and we went seven to three, the rest of the way. That was him. And he gets better and he wants to be better. And now you get him a weapon, you get him weapons and you see what he can do. But so, I see with my own eyes, you know. Yeah. So I don't I don't know where I don't know where any of this question where I'm not sold on Jalen Hurts. I don't what are you not sold on? Uh if you have not followed her, uh speaking of friends, follow Real Mama Eagle on Twitter. Yeah. Real Mama Eagle uh, uh knows what she's talking about. And unfortunately, because she's got a pair of boobs, you know how the mansplaining goes. Uh, but yeah. she's one of the more rational Eagles fans that I know. But mm-hmm. That's who I I trust two people with, well, three people with football, (laughs) my mother, (laughs) my mother, my mother knows more about football that my mother never trusted. I always used to debate her in football Mm -hmm. when I was younger. And and I always used to defend Andy Reid. Right. As an Eagles coach. Don't talk about what happened after. Talk about Mm -hmm. when his run in Philly. Yeah. Always defended him. Mm hmm. Uh, I'm trying not to laugh at Bad Ash while she's typing as we're trying to do a show here. So bear with me. I'll catch up on you in a second, Bad Ash. Um, we always debated about Andy Reid and how oh, no, I like him. It'll be fine. It'll be and she always told me, that, no, he's he's not a good head coach for this team. He's never going to win a Super What happened he, in, in Philly? He never won a Super Everything she said. So I stopped debating her after that. 
Mm-hmm. They thought I knew more than mom, and I was doing that man thing. Oh, wow, mom, actually, <laughs> wow, mom, mom, mom. she's the she's mom. Mom and my stepfather were out at a bar one night, and uh, Mike Quick is at this bar. Ooh, my mom goes, Mike Quick, that's Mike Quick. My stepfather goes, No, it's not. She goes, Yeah, it is. It's Mike <laughs> Quick. Oh uh, yeah, and she when he walks over, sir, are you Mike Quick? Yes. <laughs> don't debate that woman in football, man. <laughs> Just don't do it. Uh, and then my stepfather proceeded to beat the holy hell out of uh, Mike Quick in, in pool. He sucked at pool. Um, oh, okay. A lot like his color commentary. Um, <laughs> listen, I, I'm kidding. I love Mike Quick, but if you want the the football is for dummies commentary, that's Merrill Reese, who's an amazing play-by-play guy, and Mike Quick. Yes. Oh, 13, down at the two, large line. You see, what you got to do is get the ball past the, the, thank you, Mike. Jesus Christ, you know. Dynamite drop in, Monty. It's it's like, a, a, <laughs> yeah, it's like the, the commentators are major league. Yeah, anything you want to add, Monty? Nope. It's just, You're not the nope. best color man in the league for nothing, folks. <laughs> it just, Merrill Reese going to turn to him one day and goes, only speak at sound bites, Mike. <laughs> Uh, wow, it's four to seven. Phillies are coming back, baby. All right. Okay. <laughs> hey, I like it. Uh, so Badash says uh, about fan. We're talking about fantasy. She goes, uh, I'm I'll, I'll, I'm two and oh in my fantasy league as we're talking about Jalen Hurts. Uh-huh. And I and I replied, I came in first once in fantasy hockey and then never got better after that because I would join fantasy leagues in football and hockey and then never set the rosters completely forget. And it's worse in hockey because games happen every goddamn day. <laughs> it's a problem when you forget to set rosters like, Oh, I'm losing three to 12. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. Uh, Watson's always reliable for penetrating defenses. Dot, dot, dot. And she says also, thank you for the kind words. I forgot to clip it. And then the last thing, cause I'm, I got the sports bot running in the, in the chat at the Uh end of the fifth inning, the iron pigs are beating the rail riders three, nothing. She said, rail riders. That was my nickname in high school. But I'm bump, but I'm mine was big in the pants. Anyway, that's a true story. Um, Speaking of producing. Yes. uh, The WWE triple H is producing results. Uh, Of course, after we got off the air last week, Mm Mm-hmm. NXT announced, thankfully, th- something you and I said, do it week one. Don't even announce it. Just do it. But they announced it. Uh, going back to the yellow. Yellow and the black. Black and yellow. Color Thank change. you very mm-hmm. much. Uh, I love, I, I don't have a problem with the NXT show. I think there's a few, still a few tweaks that need to be made. However, mm-hmm. hated that color scheme. Yeah. That, you know looks like a indie it looks like that logo was the equivalent of most of the indie wrestling companies who have bad photoshopping skills don't shame the pro- no shame it looks yeah. bad it looks it's like terrible. An, it looked like a nickelodeon show yeah yeah it's it's terrible it, it looks bad you are a bad person yeah. <laughs> for liking that don't shame me it looks like garbage uh so that's coming back the the black and the yellow mm-hmm and also announced uh, yesterday. Was it yesterday? Uh, Survivor Series is getting a little, little tune-up, little mm-hmm. little twist. Mm-hmm. Not just Survivor Series anymore. War Games is back. War Games. Now we're gonna not gonna have one but two War Games. I'm good with that. I always liked War Games, and as uh, Kelly so eloquently pointed out, great. They're bringing back the most confusing match ever. 
it's not that confusing. I don't understand why that's confusing. It, it's purposely difficult. Mm-hmm. Like it's overly complicated. It's really not. No, it's, the match it's... doesn't end until everybody's in the match, and then you got to pin or kill somebody. Why is it so hard to understand? And I uh, could say it here because this is a wrestling podcast, and because um, our opinions are always heard, um, even if they aren't agreed with. Um, I've seen, I saw the first War Games here in Philly um, way back when it was an outdoor show. I saw it when it was at Civic Center, and I've seen it um, here at NXT. Um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be Amish with you. Uh, I've never been a fan of War Games. Uh, really? I was, I always thought it was needless because so many people have gotten hurt during it, starting with the very first one, JJ Dillon's separated shoulder, Nikita Koloff compressed neck. Um, and he had to go through so many, and this is back when it was on tour on um, the, the very first war games, all that happened in one JJ broke his shoulder and Nikita took a spike pile driver wrong and he was yep. out and just and but they had to keep they had 37 other stops to go um and i just think it's needless especially with when you you have one for the guys which is bad enough and then you have one for the women too um i just think it's it invites too much injury and when you need as many people now as possible now that the company is in quote unquote good hands with someone who knows what the hell he's doing and can push the right people or at least get the 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 best people in you strip them of stupid gimmicks and just put the best people in in position to get the most of their abilities why you want to invite more potential injury in having a match like this even if it's one and it's and even for the women too um i just think it's a it's a I understand why, because again, old peak interest, it got your interest. It got your t-shirt out of the mothballs, but, um, this shirt bullshit. The, how dare you? This shirt was never in mothballs. Okay. You know, I don't need, know how to let things go. I never let go of war games. Good. And I know, and the, the and wrestling fans are never going to let go of war games. Like I said, I've, no, I've seen so many, I saw the very first one and, um, seen any time it's come to Philly, I've seen the war games, but, um, still doesn't make me a, a fan because it just in invitation for more injuries is something that WWE is the last thing they need now. Um, can, and this, this, this baseball game is getting interesting. Uh, good. Um, and I'm when I wasn't, when I, we weren't doing the podcast, they were losing badly. So yeah, let's so keep doing the podcast. Well, we only got to do it for a little bit while longer. Yeah, yes. And, and so we're doing it. So I know how you feel about the word. We don't even know who's who's participating. I one of my fondest memories. And if if I think about the room at the time when we were watching War Games 96. Um, Mikey, Rich, Anthony, Nick. Everyone but two or three people in that room are dead. Oh, wow. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, heroin, baby. Damn to county. But. I will never, never forget because these guys busted my balls all the time. I was literally the guy on the street that watched. I was the WCW facilitator, right? Okay. When WCW NWO Revenge came out on the N64, uh-huh. Mikey told me, come over because he got it before I did. <laughs> Little to know I was getting it that Christmas. I didn't know. 
um uh it said here beat it unlock all the <laughs> okay sure no problem um who knew wwe fans were such uh fans of matthew broderick's vehicle war games right when I looked up the gift for this episode, I had to for social media. I typed in "war games gift," thinking that the wrestling one would have no, no, no. The, the game, the movie came out first. Yep. Shall we play a game? Shall we play a game? Um, but I'll never forget that NWO WCW first war games where Sting came out and just the. I know WCW gets a, and, and rightfully so, a lot of slack for the way they booked certain, most of it, of their entire, what do you mean it? Yes, everything. Uh, um, we shall German, du, German duplex each other. Very good, Badash. Um, but the, end, the lead up to war games, the whole NWO thing at first was done amazingly. And that little seed of doubt about Sting and, you know, Sting came out, wrestled for the NWO, then all of a sudden, Sting came out. These guys who busted my balls about WCW all the time, who were WWF guys, I was the WCW facilitator. They'd all watch WWF together. I'd watch it later. I was the one that brought over the WCW tapes. We'd watch that week. Everybody was a Sting fan that night. Everyone went nuts. Uh, and that is a memory I will have the rest of my life, like I said, because we can't make new ones. They're all dead. Um, and, you know, injuries aside, man, I, I love that match. Uh, just uh, just uh, enough more excitement. And listen, you know, I can see Sid still try to powerbomb stupidly. That's Sid's fault. Uh, Brian Pillman in it. the cage. Mm-hmm. I can still see uh, JJ taking that doomsday and, you know, popping his shoulder into his asshole. I trust me. I get it. Mm-hmm. But war games are so exciting for me. Um, and I know a lot of people don't like the new wave war games because it's, you know, faster pace. And man, I'm all for it. I can't wait. I can't wait to watch this. And you've got you've piqued my interest trip. Uh, my, my interest. Yeah, my favorite war games are always going to be uh, Bash 89. Uh, Samoan SWAT team and the Freebirds with Paulie on the outside, uh, versus the Road Warriors and Midnight Express and Dr. Death. Best war games ever. Uh, the, the Sting Squadron, mm-hmm. uh, versus um, uh, 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 the Dangerous Alliance is still, yeah, it's up there. A lot of fun. That's a lot of fun. That one's a lot of fun, yeah. Uh, for the reason if the match didn't end the way it did with who won, this -hmm. would be one of the worst. Um, but the 98, yeah, where the whole ultimate warrior thing, I get it, trust me. Um, but DDP winning was which eventually led to a world title match, which nobody ever saw until the night after. It was still exciting. Okay. I like DDP. Stain, everyone was a couple of thrusts from being a stain in their mother's panties. Oh, thank you, Badash. That was... Yeah. So glad you said it was relevant. It's poetic. Thank you. That's the first one that uh, confused me. 
in other news, in other news, uh, Malachi Black leaves the greener pastures. Um, hey, didn't you know uh, everything was but greener on the other side? Did you know that everything's yes. fine over there? Yeah, yeah Michelle Shock wrote about that on the on the greener side. But uh, uh, Malachi Black, Alistair Malachi Black, uh, did a long um, uh, on Instagram post talking about his mental health and that he was actually granted his release from AEW, which is rare because uh, Tony, you know, Tony doesn't fire anyone, um, even though he should. He'll just let contracts run out or he'll just not put people on TV anymore till they lose interest. But he actually granted alistair black his release um kind of the writing was on the wall during uh, alistair black's last match in aew shaking hands with fans even though he was a heel and uh saying it's not goodbye it's just so long for now uh long um instagram posts like i said talking about his mental health um it wasn't the best and it wasn't about how he was used in aew i'm sure that didn't help um, but um, it wasn't good for him. It wasn't good for his marriage, but he's been granted his release. Now, Triple H, as well as Paul Heyman, were both huge Aleister Black fans. It actually was um, Paul Heyman who wanted um, Aleister Black to go up against um, Brock Lesnar, and that spot eventually went to Drew McIntyre, which resulted in Drew McIntyre's first world championship. But um, Paul Heyman was someone who wanted to see Aleister Black in that role. Uh, And Aleister Black, to his credit, where he's uh, appeared in the WWE and AEW, has always come off as a a badass, um, a a top guy, someone who has got the size, he's got the look, uh, doesn't have to be great on the mic because his character doesn't lend itself to be a, a, a speaker. Um, but him with the Zelina Vega, his real life wife, they would be a great um, uh, manager duo, uh, a la Karrion Cross and Scarlet. But um, since he has been released by AEW, um, obviously, with everything I just said about his prior relationship with Triple H and affection that Paul Heyman has for him, to see him back on WWE would not be a big surprise to me, especially since we've talked about how badly um, Judgment Day needs some type of something to... Uh... Ooh. Oh, Dom's not the one to save it? No, Dominic is no. not the one to save it. Not, not Dominic and his new mommy, apparently. Um, I want to reiterate, I would absolutely beat the holy out of my out of my father to to be uh, Dominic right now. <laughs> I'm just saying. But um, yeah, but yeah, him on him and Judgment Day would be a uh, a a definite um. That that's where he. I mean, because considering House of Black, Judgment Day, uh, uh, at, at the Edge division with uh, Judgment Day was pretty much doing everything that House of Black was doing, but just doing it with better lighting. And with better talent. But um, yes, so um, ex- another um, thing that's been happening is when they, Aleister Black was got his release from AEW, so people were ex- speculating on his return. What's been happening on house shows, which I didn't even think WWE still does house shows. I only thought they only wrestled twice a week on SmackDown and Raw. 
but apparently they've been playing White Rabbit, the original cut from um, Jefferson Airplane. Yes, sir. Yes. Which has got everyone up in arms thinking that that's, that's signaling the return of Bray Wyatt. Uh, I'm okay with that. First of all, I want to say thank you. Game Trickster Pizza Time again, two days in a row for the raid. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Uh, yes, I've been hearing about that, and I'm trying not to give my hopes up because that would be so awesome at this point. Uh, and the fact that they're using that song kind of subtly, not really announcing it. Mm-hmm. Um, it needs one of them. I, I think the timing is kind of perfect for him. Uh, as Badass said, Edge, all the hype for his comeback at SummerSlam to be gone again a month later. Yeah. And I think she pointed out because she doesn't want to work with uh, Dominic. Maybe it was. Yeah. I can't imagine I'm, why. Yeah. Uh, the whole thing's been messed up. Um, I, I just the, the miscommunication because Edge and Judgment Day was perfect the way it was. Because you got two guys, namely um, Damian Priest and Rhea Ripley, who are major stars ready to birth. That should be top people right there. That threesome was perfect. Um, if you want to add Finn Balor, I wouldn't have a problem with like that as long as you kept Edge. And from what we understand now, Edge, they were leaning, apparently um, the old regime was leaning more toward a supernatural Edge supernatural tone vibe that edge didn't want to be a part of so he was dismissed from judgment day and then the old regime changed so there was not going to be any supernatural part uh, but by now the damage has been done because edge has was kicked out of the group so now we can't reverse anything so now we're stuck with a judgment day with no real leader no, not a guy that can talk like Edge could to get these other people over. Um, so enter a, uh, a an Aleister Black, possibly a Bray Wyatt would definitely do that. But the Bray Wyatt has been so far apart with um, the WWE because me personally, I want the old Bray Wyatt back with the lantern and everything. But Bray liked, um, I always thought it was a, this was a Vince creation, the Fiend um, in the House of Fun or whatever it is um, with the stupid gimmicks and the puppets and stuff like that. And the Zowie Wowie, um, I, which I thought was just the stupidest goddamn thing you could ever do. And I still say that, John Cena match at WrestleMania back when there was in the before times when there was no one is the absolute lowest point in professional wrestling history. I don't have any use for any cinematic matches at all. It's second only to the Undertaker AJ Styles uh, <laughs> episode of The Walking Dead um, that just was a complete insult to professional wrestling. But apparently that's what Bray wants to do. Bray wants to do The Fiend. Interesting. Um, and that's why they're so far apart on it because if he comes back, I don't know what's wrong with Bray Wyatt. Um, but 
that's the that's the issue. So if Bray Wyatt does return to WWE, and I have no um, reason to think he wouldn't, I think he will. In what incarnation will he return? Is what um, the big question will be, and will he be a heel? Uh, Badass says that Ripley is the leader. Okay. Um, if she's a leader, then she's got to get more singles matches because that's your WWE undisputed champion. Not on Raw or SmackDown. That's that's your Roman Reigns of the women's division. She needs to be wrestling, not being Dominic's mommy. Well, let's not get too hasty, Craig. But Let me live vicariously through someone. What I'm saying right now, Dan, with the absence of Charlotte and Sasha and Bailey is you know, on, on a, leading her own group, Rhea Ripley needs to be where I don't know what's going on with Liv Tyler and Ronda. I don't even care. That title should have gone to, um, to Shayna to Baszler because yeah. I'm, I'm never going to take Liv. Um, seriously as champion but Rhea Ripley needs to have a belt around her waist because she is the Dastro female rock and the longer she stays she's not in that um, spot uh, the more it's going to bug me and the more I'm going to talk about it on this very podcast week in and week out until that situation is rectified until that situation is rectified understood understood uh, Craig uh, why don't you uh, rectify us some uh... <laughs> badass said cut craig's mic right now uh badass you're the moderator in the youtube chat now so you have fun with that um craig why don't you rectify the situation by bringing us back to the past a little bit i would love to go back to the past dan i could rectify so many things and wreck them i already knew them um i like to rectify to a few things I like Ooh, to i'm sorry is that what things. we're talking about i can go back in time um um no, uh, we're going to go back to a time, a simpler time, um, back when there was more than one monolith professional wrestling company. There was many different wrestling companies, territories. If people didn't, if one person wasn't getting over in one territory or didn't like it anymore, they can just go to another one and they make just as much money and they could be just as happy going someplace else until that we're off this is i'm talking about the days of territories the days of different wrestling organizations wrestling in all 50 states that would give you sellout crowds every single day of the week in every single part of the country um and world champions were revered and uh each person is a world champion. They had a claim to be the very best in the world. And this, gentlemen and ladies, is the wrestling historian. I mentioned in a past historian um, back on August 18th, 60 years ago, Dan, August 18th, 1962, and a match that took place in Newark, New Jersey, the Ooh. current Ooh. then NWA heavyweight champion of Nature Boy, the original Nature Boy, Buddy Rogers, uh, had a match against Bobo Brazil, uh, born Houston Harris, and a man who never should have changed his name um, to be a uh, know, right? 
<laughs> a great wrestler. He, he was born with the perfect wrestling name, but they changed he really, his hair. He really does. Man. <laughs> to, to Bobo Brazil. Yes, um, I did that. <laughs> oh, he did. Uh, uh, never mind. I take that back. Sorry. Don't hurt me. I, is he dead? Bobo Brazil, yes. Okay, but I'm still afraid of him, so I take it. Back. Yes, because uh, Bobo Brazil from Benton Harbor, Michigan, uh, six foot six, very put together, um, hair like Little Richard, um, African American, the first uh, true uh, black superstar in professional wrestling. So much so that he got an NWA title shot against Nature Boy Buddy Rogers, uh, who was the biggest heel in all of wrestling. And in their match in Newark, New Jersey, uh, Buddy Rogers um, was accidentally injured, he claimed. And uh, because of the injury, um, and it was Buddy went for a leapfrog. And of course, Bobo was so tall, his head hit Buddy in the ne nether region. And uh, Buddy Rogers had a shot to the groin, and he was he was unable Ouchies. to get, unable to continue. So Bobo Brazil was awarded the uh, the bout and uh, the championship. He refused it, but the NWA um, on September eighth announced that there would be a new. NWA champion, and that man would be Bobo Brazil. So on September 8th, 1962, Bobo Brazil was awarded the NWA championship. But again, Bobo refused it because he didn't pin uh, Buddy Rogers or make him submit. So in, in a future historian, just like I said before in August, um, their return bout would take place in October and in that belt, Buddy Rogers would defeat Bobo Brazil. Uh, but the story's not over, Dan, because as much as I would say, I would like to say that Bobo Brazil was recognized as the very first black world champion. Mm -hmm. I did some digging in my research. You know, I do tireless research before I bring you the wrestling historian every week. It uh, turns out there was a rule of the NWA. This is... Um, made in 1962 that if the NWA champion is accidentally hit in the groin that the anger would be he would lose the match and the title and that's why Bobo Brazil was awarded the NWA championship because in my research I found that the exact same thing happened two weeks later against Bruno Sammartino where Bruno defeated Buddy by disqualification because Buddy was injured shot to the nether regions and Bruno won the bout and he was awarded the NWA championship. They wanted that to be the angle that oh, that was, this was like a, a pre dusty finish. Okay. Yeah. So uh, not only was Bobo Brazil awarded the NWA championship, but Bruno Sammartino was also denied winning the NWA championship mm. because of this rule. So Ooh. where once I thought that, oh, well, to be the NWA champion back in the day, folks, it wasn't one guy making the decision. The NWA was the largest wrestling territory in the United States and a board of governors other made up of, and uh, a board made up of other promoters around the country. Sam Muchnick in, in Missouri, Fritz von Erich in uh in Texas, Frank Tunney in Toronto, 
they all had to come together. And if not unanimous, a majority to, to vote on who would be the NWA champion. So it wasn't a bunch of progressive thinking white guys thinking, oh, let's make uh, the first black champion. This was an angle by the NWA that the NWA champion was hitting the groin and couldn't continue. So the new, the, that challenger would be the NWA champion. It just so happened to be that challenger in this case from the match on August 18th, 1962 was Bobo Brazil. Interesting. So in a bout that was never recorded in the NWA, never the title change never took place. Bobo Brazil was the NWA champion um, in September 8th, 1962. Hmm. This is uh, 30 years before Ron Simmons. So do we do we uh, do we call him a uh, world heavyweight champion? But it, it's in the record books, right? It's not in the record books. Said Brobo. That's Riddell bullshit. That's bullshit. The NWA champion, um, along with a lot of other phantom changes that were not taken. But uh, Harley Race, to his death, still claimed to be an eight-time world champion because of the title when he defeated Ric Flair in Auckland, New Zealand, um, for a week, and that was never. Uh, a title change that the NWA never recognized. Uh, but we've always called Harley a seven-time champion, but when he interviewed Harley, he called himself an eight-time NWA champion. Interesting. So the NWA is full of title changes that didn't happen, and one of them involved Bobo Brazil. Interesting. Yes. Hmm. Uh, also, this week in professional wrestling, speaking of NWA title changes, September 17th, 1981, 41 years ago in Kansas City, Kansas. I'm sorry, Kansas City, Missouri. And what I still maintain is the smallest wrestling ring I've ever seen in my entire life. And a referee and about refereed by six-time NWA champion Luthez, Dusty Rhodes would lose the NWA title to the second nature boy. And his first world championship, Ric Flair. September 17th, 1981, Ric Flair won his first of 16 world heavyweight championships. And him winning the NWA title solidified. Uh, this was part of the NWA's youth movement. Um, they were looking to uh, move on from the grizzled veterans as champion. And there was a, a meeting earlier that year, January 1st, New Year's Eve, the annual NWA meetings. They would decide uh, who would be the new NWA champion. And on that short list were Ric Flair, Ted DiBiase, and David Von Erich. Uh, Ric Flair would... <laughs> would win, would get the nod, and to be the NWA champion, Dusty Rhodes had only held that belt since June of 1981 and actually would be his longest reign as NWA champion, uh, 70 days. But uh, Ric Flair would win his first NWA championship, 1981. David was due to win it uh, in 1984 um, at the NWA president had also agreed on uh harley race actually was one who didn't think that ted dibiase uh was ready to be nwa champion um the idea was you know, there have been shorter reigns tommy rich 
was champion for five days. Um, that was a favor to uh, Jim Barnett and to promoter Paul Jones for um, their work as, in, as part of the NWA governors, um, which would carry's reign would be the same thing for um, their Fritz. tribute to Fritz, who was a former yeah. NWA champion, uh, a former NWA president, and had always been a loyal NWA member. Right. Um, um, and the idea was for Ted DiBiase to win the belt in St. In St. Louis, where Ted was a former Missouri State champion and one of um, Sam Muchnick's favorites, um, he'd always been a. And the idea was he would be the NWA champion in Missouri, would defend the belt in Missouri, Kansas City, and the Central States, keep it there, and drop the belt back to Harley, again back in Missouri, when Dusty was champion the second time in June when he won. He only defended the belt in Atlanta, where he won it, and in Florida. That was it. He didn't go to world class. He didn't go to uh, the Carolinas in the mid-Atlantic. He didn't go out west to Los Angeles. He didn't go to Toronto. He stayed in Atlanta um, and Florida and lost about in Kansas City which they considered neutral territory since neither Flair or Dusty were big names there. And Flair has gone on record saying that Kansas City is the worst town he's ever wrestled in, even though that's the place where he won his first world championship because to him, there's nothing happening there. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. And when I go after I finish wrestling in Kansas City, I go out looking for fun, and I'm still looking because there's nothing in Kansas City. Um. I mean, not even Kansas City is in Kansas City. <laughs> but uh, September 17th, 1981, um, Dusty Rosa won his first uh, world heavyweight. I'm sorry, Ric Flair won his first world heavyweight championship. Another milestone occurred five years later, Dan, in 1986, at a WWF taping in Salisbury, Maryland, uh, came the decision to. Wow. Yeah. Nothing else happens in Salisbury, so this is a, this is a big deal. This is a huge deal, Dan, and Whew. far-reaching ramifications because in September 17, 1986, at a WWF TV taping in Salisbury, Maryland, came the decision to put together permanently the broadcasting team of Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby oh, There has been, and let's get this out of the way, there has been no team, no commentary team that has touched Bobby Heenan and Grilla Monsoon and has ever been close. No. Uh, there's Gorilla and Bobby. Mm -hmm. There's a long, long and deep <laughs> gap. Then there's King and JR and everyone else. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah, I, I'd even put Gorilla and Jesse below um, uh, Gorilla and Bobby. I, yeah, I, I, fair yeah. enough, man. Yeah. Fair enough. Sure. Yeah, but yeah, but Gorilla, absolutely. Yeah, Gorilla and Bobby. That was that was art. I mean, God, I, art is a good word I, for it, man. Because especially when you watch those old WWE superstars, and like, I didn't like. I didn't want to see the wrestling. I wanted to hear those guys. 
And I've gone back to watch reruns. I don't care about that shit. I'm listening no. to Bobby and, and, and Gorilla. I don't care about yeah. any of the other shit. Nope. Yeah, especially when it with Gorilla's berating the heel and said, like, Oh, that guy, he's a disgrace professional wrestling. And Bobby goes, Yeah, you can't talk about Ricky Steamboat like that. This is after the uh, the the throat incident where um Randy Savage took the belt of Ricky Steamboat's throat. He goes, yeah, I think he's a disgrace professional wrestling. He shouldn't be in the sport. And Bobby goes, you can't talk about Ricky Steamboat like that. <laughs> oh, God, will you give me a break? Yes. But uh, it was on uh, September 17, 1986. That, this, that taping was the first um, taping between Gorilla and Bobby. And the, even Vince said, you guys are it. Just you two. That's it. And I don't want to touch the commentary team. Thank you. Unless it's Bailey and you already know where my face would be then. If I have to tell you, that's badass. You don't have to tell me. We know. (laughs) Uh, Also belated, uh, also September 6th, September 17th. uh, In my opinion, the second great, we're talking about Bobby Heenan, the greatest manager of all time, greatest commentary, greatest performer in professional wrestling history, wrestler, commentator, commentator, host, manager, uh, the second greatest manager in professional wrestling history, in my opinion, happy belated 61st birthday on September 17th to great Jim Cornette. I will leave that where it is. And even Jim Cornette, Jim, uh, his first appearance in WWF, you know, when he met Bobby and Bobby put him over as greatest manager of all time and Jim said, well, Bobby found the greatest only because you retired. And true words were never spoken. Uh, which brings us to today in professional wrestling history, Dan. Uh, happy, can't believe this, 71st birthday uh, to honestly one of the, this guy does not get credit for being one of the greatest second generation wrestlers of all time. Um, one of the greatest, he's in my top 10 greatest heels ever. Um, I don't say he gets the credit he deserves because I think he's gotten the appropriate amount of credit during his career because he's wrestled in every major federation, uh, in the United States. He's been a champion everywhere he's wrestled. He's been a top guy everywhere he's wrestled. He's 71 years old today. And, um, he's just, um, someone who. You could say he drew money because of the people he was wrestling and because of the kind of heel he was. And we've said goodbye to a lot of people over the years being professional wrestler, being professional wrestling fans. This guy is still here, not because he's had any bad habits. I'm just glad to be able to say he's here. Happy 71st birthday to the hammer, Greg Valentine. Eh. The less I say about the hammer, the better. I thought the hammer was boring as shit. And that's a fair assessment. He didn't have. Now, despite (laughs) despite being Ric Flair's favorite tag team partner and the matching robes and the flamboyant, he did not have the personality of Flair. That's what made them great because he was a balance for Flair. He was the the uh, I guess he was the uh, the Bud Abbott of professional wrestling stone face. Not a lot. Not, not Rick, the, you do it. You do everything, and I'm just gonna stay here. 
But he was a guy that um, drew money because he was a great heel. He wasn't flashy, but um, and he will say he was a robot, but United States champion in the NWA many times. Intercontinental champion. Wrestled on the very first WrestleMania as the Intercontinental champion. Um, again, top guy everywhere he's gone. Florida Heavyweight champion. Georgia Heavyweight champion. Um, he was number one contender for Backland Championship. Number one contender for Hogan's title. Um, wrestled Ric Flair at the 30-minute draw when he was NWA champion. Valentine Bland, yes. Monotone, yeah. Not a great promo. Not a great speaker. You can't say one great Greg Valentine match, but like I said about Jalen Hurts before, he he produced. He got I I can absolutely say a great Valentine match. Which one? Him and Piper at Starcade. Yeah, the the First dog collar match on pay-per-view. Not the very first dog collar match. No, no, the the one on pay-per-view, not the one ever. It's on pay-per-view. Listen, that was a good match. I know it's a gimmick match, but if you had if you had someone that sucked, it would have sucked. Exactly. And that's what Greg Valentine. Yeah, and that's what Greg Valentine. High profile match of Starcade. A year later, he's wrestling at the very first WrestleMania and was a champion both times. He was a United States champion in the dog collar match. He was an intercontinental champion champion at the very first WrestleMania. You put the belt on the guy because as a heel, he's going to get you heat. And that's exactly what he did. And happy 71st birthday to Greg Valentine. And also, finally, last thing on this edition of Wrestling Historian um, is probably the greatest day that's ever happened to me in my life as a wrestling fan, it happened today, September 20th, 1975, right here, ah. Philadelphia, Jesus. at the beautiful air-conditioned Philadelphia Spectrum, Dan, September 20th, 1975, I went to my very first wrestling oh, match. Very nice. Very nice. Yes. We all remember our first time. Speaking of which, you have uh, uh, Badass says that she left a surprise in Craig's Twitter DMs. Hope he likes the pick. Okay. I, I've just let you know that you've been upsetting her all night, so don't trust her. Why would I be upsetting her? Uh, she says that everything you said about Liv, Liv Morgan is slander. And that you mentioned Jim Cornette. She's mad now. Mad. Oh, she's so I- mad. Because I said happy birthday to a wrestler. That's what I told her. I said he he just stated fact. Yes, it was his birthday. But he said, but uh, Badass said that everything you said about uh, Liv Tyler, uh, Liv Tyler. uh, Well, actually, everything about said about Liv Tyler is accurate. Uh, Everything you said about Liv Morgan, you can't be trusted. Okay, well, I would rather see Liv Tyler as champion. I and then at least I'd watch when Liv Tyler is on. I agree. Liv Tyler was on TV every Friday. I'd watch. I watch her a lot more than Liv Morgan. I would watch you read a phone book. Yep. Yes, I don't. I, I Elfin. Yeah, I yeah. don't buy Liv Morgan as champion. That's nothing against. That's mm-hmm. not a knock against Liv Morgan. Um, I know she's a favorite, which is why she got the belt in the first place. But 
Um, no, well, she's it's the, better to be on bad ashes side than against her. So good luck, sir. I this is not this is nothing personal, bad ash. But my very <laughs> first wrestling match ever took place uh, today, September 20th, 1975. The main event. And I've told the story, but I want to give it more in detail for the fans that listen to this podcast and have a different view of what wrestling is that you saw growing up to what wrestling was when I was growing up. The main event that night in my very first wrestling match was um, the champion Bruno San Martino, the living legend, greatest champion in wrestling history, in a Sicilian stretcher match against George the Animal Steel. (laughs) Now, when I say the name George the Animal Steel now, wrestling fans younger than me will remember the um, the kinder, gentler George Steele with the, the, the stuffed animal, mine, the hair with the, the green tongue and the fawning after Miss, Miss Elizabeth and just being a, a puppy and uh, the cute and just a, a lovable baby face, George Steele. The George Steele that I knew was the one who came out on TV and just decimated every single person he saw. The George Steele that I knew was a raving lunatic. George Steele came to the ring that night, tonight, 47 years ago, accompanied by six police officers. (laughs) Because he was seen (sighs) as he was the animal. And he came to the ring with no music, just to a, a, a cacophony of booze. And he just had the black turtleneck, the black tights, and he'd just be, sta- he'd be scared of everything. And he'd go to the ring, and the fans would boo him. And he'd cover his ears, because he couldn't believe, and then he'd just look and run out of the ring towards the front row, grab the guardrail, and just shake it. And the first three rows would take off running in terror. And then he'd go back to the ring and it would the booze would start again because he scared these fans. And then he'd run out of the ring and do it again. And I remember when he came to my side, I remember grabbing my dad and I could still smell this leather jacket because I was like this. I was like, he's going to come up here. He's going to kill everyone. That's why the <laughs> cops were there. Of course, my dad thought this is the funny thing he ever saw. But I was, <laughs> I was in, my kid's terrified. <laughs> <laughs> but the but he would run towards the the guard, and the fans would would in terror just climb over each other trying to get away from this man because he was he wasn't at he was an unruly person that could kill someone. Yep. And how's Bruno going to overcome this guy who just destroyed every single person on TV in seconds? Wouldn't speak. And I think it, Blassie was his manager at the time because he was managed by Blassie. But he, all three wise men managed George Hill at some point. Albano, Blassie, Grand Wizard. And uh, back then, the, uh, the managers wouldn't go to house shows because they generated so much heat that they couldn't, the, the arenas couldn't guarantee their safety. So if they were actually there, they'd be introduced to the crowd and then walk back to the dressing room. They wouldn't stay out ringside because 
bottles would be thrown at them, chairs would be thrown at them, fans would reach over and grab them and take his swings at them. So George Steele didn't come with a manager, but he did come with six police officers that accompanied him to the ring. Interesting. Um, for that was for the fans, not just for him. Uh, because but people were legitimately scared until the great conquering hero Bruno uh, came to the ring. And I told the story before the wave of cheers, you could just feel it coming when he just jogged to the ring. Uh, and he just get up on the ring apron, and all he did was wave his hand, and that was enough. Because we had seen the great finally, I was seeing him for the first time. I was seeing all these guys for the first time. Um, was this unicorn conquering hero, Bruno San Martino, the lad you just called him Bruno, and there he was. Um, and did I mention the special referee for that bout, the Sicilian stretcher bout, to make sure that there was a winner? It was Andre the Giant. Oh my God. And that was my first time seeing him. Jesus Christ. (laughs) 47 years ago today, the day that I became what you see before you now, when I became immersed in this culture that we both know and love, professional wrestling, 47 years ago today was the most important day of my life as a wrestling fan because it was my first wrestling bout ever. And Bruno, Andre, George the Animal Steel, uh, sold out Philadelphia Spectrum, air-conditioned on September Thank 20th, God it was air-conditioned. 1975. Um, I'd only been in school for a week, and I, and I could not wait to tell everyone um, what I had seen. Um, my dad's former fire partner uh, worked on the fire department, Charlie Abel, who was the security guard at the Spectrum, to the day it closed. Um, oh, Wow got my uh my dad and I back there and he got autographs for me from the uh people there. Uh, I wasn't allowed back but uh yeah. So Aww, that was, nah, son of a bitch. I was only 9. I couldn't go. But um yeah, so that was uh my very first match 47 years ago today. And that gentlemen and ladies is a wrestling historian. And you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. And you can leave me nice messages uh, other than Badash on Twitter uh, at Craig Lagon, C-R-A-I-G-L-I-G-G-E-O-N-S. She says you're only allowed to watch uh, XPW now. No more WWE. Oh, good. I've always been a huge Rob Black fan. (laughs) Nobody's been a huge Rob Black fan. Not one person on earth has been a huge Rob Black fan. Uh, Follow me on Twitter at DanLotty3, all social media. At Danlaw 83, the HIC Talk Radio Network is at, you guessed it, it's back. It's been back for a month. HIAC Talk Radio.com, all your favorite podcasting apps. Type in the HIAC Talk Radio Network, the blue, the purple and green logo. Like, share, subscribe, follow, all that good stuff. Leave us good reviews, except for about Craig and his, uh, his disdain for Liv Morgan. It's not disdain. Follow you. I don't even want to go across the street with you. Wow. Thanks a lot. Wow. Well, now I'm in trouble. Now I'm in trouble. <laughs> thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. I don't know. Oh, hell, I don't know. I don't hell, I don't know. Um, <laughs> yes, next week we will be joined by no. Next week is nerd herders. Ignore that. We'll join you in two weeks. 
Hopefully, Mr. Derek McDonald will be back with us for Craig Legans. I am the other guy. Keep it on the paper. Always swallow.